coming to the microphone, weighing in, well, he's, we're not going to say his weight because he's in great shape. Men want to be him. Women just want him. Barack Lurie, everyone. Oh, man, that's okay. All right. Uh, all right. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for that ridiculous introduction. Jeez Louise. Every I, word of it was true. Yes. Yeah, oh, no way. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my partner for that, she heard that. And she thinks it's ridiculous, and I agree. She's, it is ridiculous. What are you doing? I can't work under these conditions. All right. <laughs> Today. Oh, man. Look, well, it's the stress that will make you stronger. I'm like, I see. I'm like, yes, a, yes. I'm like a trainer. I'm working you out. I'm this work, is very... I'm, I'm making your common sense. No, you know what you're doing? You, you are causing me to, to think in, in, in an aspirational way. You know, if, if only I could be even like 50% of what you we just claimed me to be, that, that would be great. Oh, man. Uh, you know, this, this legal business, it really does wear on you. This, this talk show business, it wears on you. This, the fatherhood, you know, really wears on you. And just it's so hard to find the time to, uh, to work out, to, you know, pay attention to your own health. You end up eating a bunch of packaged food, which is, you know, of course, very bad for you. Anyway, but thank you. Thank you. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's crazy, crazy wrong, too. That's why I have a face for, for radio, I think. You know, that's, that's the job. But you don't have a face for radio. You definitely have a, ta- a face for the visual arts. Well, that's very nice of you. I appreciate it. I mean, that. I've seen some people with faces for radio. Yes. And trust me, <laughs> we don't want to think about that before mealtime. <laughs> All right. Now we get right into the, the, the meat of our, our topic, which is uh, leaders who profess uh, to be doing something, whether or not, okay? Uh, and, and we'd like to be timeless, but I want to study Obama in particular. He is a, a, a leader of the country, of the world, a free world, that is. And I want to talk about it in the context of fighting in Afghanistan and fighting in Iraq. We know that he... Is, is doing virtually nothing, okay? It's, it's ridiculous that after how many years now that uh, we, we first uh, encountered uh, the beginning of, um, of ISIS, which is in early 2014. Well, 2011, 2012. Well, we, we discovered uh, ISIS was, was growing in 2013, but it really became part I mean, of our lexicon the, in, in 2014. Okay, because I remember the JV team. That was so early 2014. Oh, that was? Yeah. Okay. So we're talking a little bit over two years right now. And, and during these two years, after we've recognized we have to fight them, we've gained virtually no traction against them at all. They've only grown in size. They've gobbled up town after town. And I don't know if you remember this, but... Obama did virtually nothing until the press started forcing it into the news. And, and not surprisingly, right, because if it bleeds, it leads, as they say. So many horrific things were happening that Obama had to do something. And sure enough, uh, you know, he kept some military advisors there. I think it was five or something like that. Now, in all seriousness, I think it's about 300. It's not meaningful, however. And ISIS just kind of maintains its power structure. In the meantime, we have an air force. We have a tactical power beyond any other country in the world. And we're still fighting these jokers. We're talking about retaking Mosul, hopefully sometime by the end of this administration. What? That's your plan? Is is that a gift to us, Mr. President? Why why can't you take it now? And now they're, as we speak, they're, they're talking about retaking Fallujah. But has it been retaken a couple times by now? 
I mean, what, what's going on here? Why is this so hard? The, these, these, this ragtag army, the yes, that has a decent amount of money, but nothing close to the amount of money that we have. They don't have an air force, and we can't just pulverize these monsters into into oblivion. Uh, okay, so here's go ahead. And, and it gets just to put this in perspective. Remember, there was a country called Iraq, yeah. with a leader named Saddam Hussein. And forget all the you know language about being a mistake to go in or anything. Right. Weapons of mass destruction. Right. Yeah. Uh, Iraq had a four hundred thousand man army, fourth or fifth largest on the earth on yeah. the planet, and we beat them in seventeen days. Yeah. Maybe I mean, we actually beat them in about three days, but we we g- continued the air campaign for about sixteen more days. Right. So that when the ground force came, it was simply a mop up operation yeah. of a bunch of guys running around with their hands up. Right. It was and mopping this, up. And this is taking three years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be fair, two and a half years, but nevertheless, there, there's no advancement whatsoever. And uh, hey, look. You have to ask yourself why. I mean, we, we've talked before that you can only win a war with passion, and that's true. But you also have to win a war only with, with severe manpower. You, you really just have to pulverize. You surround, you strangle, and you win. That's how you do it. You don't just kind of pick here and there and hope that maybe the enemy will run. It's, it's, it's the equivalent in chess, if, for those of you who play chess out there, of just moving your pieces around and from time to time taking a pawn and thinking that you're doing well in the, in the game. You're not. You have to bring out all your forces. Any chess player will tell you this. Bring out your bishops, bring out your knights, eventually bring out your queen right after that, then bring out your rooks, okay? That's the game plan, okay? Bring out your firepower. Don't leave them behind. It, 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 the, the way he prosecutes this, this war, even assuming that he wanted to win the war, and we'll talk about that in a moment, even assuming that he wanted to win this war, uh, he, he would not be doing it effectively because he just he's holding back all the power. You've got to do it by, by shock and awe if you want. I mean, even Hitler understood this, you know, and, and that's partly why he was so effective, you know, for, forgetting, of course, about the monstrosity that was Hitler. But you have to give it to him. He, he, he knew how to engage major firepower, and he did so by Blitzkrieg. Blitzkrieg in German means a lightning war. And the theory was you go all out with all your, your weapons and, and it terrorizes people and it pulverizes people and you, you force them into submission. He succeeded in doing that all throughout Europe. He almost did it with, with England in the Battle of Britain too. So, but we need to, to pulverize these people. We need to use shock and awe. We need to bring out our naval destroyers. We need to pulverize from the sky with tanks and everything else and, and not be worried about losing some men because we will lose some men. But we'll lose fewer men if we do it this way. That's the irony of it all. So in this quest to be safe all the time, it's it's like uh, somebody holding you back while you're trying, you know, you're handcuff, handcuffing them with one arm behind their back while they're you're asking them to fight. This is uh, this is the reality of, of Iraq and Afghanistan, for that matter. So so why why is this something that is not turned upon Obama and? Uh, where we don't see him as the weak president that we know him to be, uh, at least militarily. Because what he does, and he does it very well, I must say, it, when he treats the war politically, he gets political results. What do I mean by that? I mean that he gives a little bit of money to the war effort. <clears throat> he engages a couple of battles here and there and say, look, we're, we're fighting the war. 
And then his liberal advocates turn to we conservative folks and say, see, he's fighting the war. What more could you want? Yeah, he's being a more warmonger, just like you want. Yeah, just exactly. Just like you want. And so we, we respond by saying the truth of what we were just talking about, which is we want more. We want more firepower. We want more men. And you guys are – you're never happy with anything, right? We're doing the war, and you're not happy, okay? Same thing, by the way, with uh, his treatment of Israel on, on the flip side. This, Israel, of course, is an ally of ours. So um, he gives uh, a, a couple of bucks – uh, as you said, he gave the one weapon. With that arrow missile or something? Yes, the arrow missile. He, he probably just gave one. Well, yeah. So he gave a one or a two and, and then say, look, we, we've given the arrow missile. What, what is that? that? That's meaningless. You, you, you don't say that you're, you're giving a box of bullets to, the, uh, to, to your soldiers and say, I'm, I'm in support of the veterans. I'm in support of the, the, the army. Of course not. You're not. But this is who he is. This is the way he does it. And he does it just, he, he does just enough to be able to say, I'm responding to your concerns. That's who he is. And it's happened time and time again. And uh, it's the way he dealt with the um, Arab Spring, the so-called Arab Spring, the Iranian Revolution of 2009. <clears throat> he, he's dealt with this time and time again, just doing barely enough to say, I'm doing something. Right? He's, so Yeah, he's like uh, an employee who... Uh, just says that one thing to keep you from firing them right. at the end of the week, that's right, every yeah. week. Make, make you think twice as to why you, would, you, yeah. you shouldn't fire him. You know, right. that's, a, that's a really good analogy. You know, just just hold on, you know, holding on by his fingernails to that job. Just yeah. doing that one thing, you know. The rest of the time, he's in the back smoking, over at Starbucks having a cup of coffee. Right, right. Gabbing with the girls in the lunchroom, you right. know. He, he shows up when the boss is uh, in the office because he wants to look like he's busy. You know, some law firms, by the way, not in this firm uh, at least, but in the old days, you would uh, keep your light on uh, and also uh, put your, your, your suit jacket on the back of your chair to, to suggest and then ruffle up some papers on your desk to suggest as if you were still there late at night. So if a partner happened to come by. Right, as if you could fool like people. Like George and Seinfeld sleeping yeah, under the desk. Of course, and then he woke up. Hey, you were here early, George. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very, very similar to that. But that's uh, you know the George Costanza presidency. Let's that's yeah. <laughs> that's what we should call this episode. In fact, I think we will the George Costanza presidency. It, it, it's a he does as little as possible, and yet he wants you to think he's doing so much, right? True for the economy, true for health care, for that matter. I mean, even the Obamacare website, right, you know, is such a disaster. And I don't know what he might have said uh, in, in the actual White House uh, uh, Oval Office when he learned about what a disaster the website was. But he did as little as possible, and he was, uh, he was called out on it. Same thing with the Alaska, not the Alaska, sorry, the BP oil spill, remember this? Yeah, he goes yeah. to the beach, ripes a tear. Squats on the beach, picks up a rock, and goes home. Yeah. And, and same with uh, you know any of those gun gun shooting, you know the school shootings. He you know he wipes that tear caused because he you know got some, near some chopped onions. Right. Says, how many times has this got to happen? Well, if it's happening so often on your watch, maybe you're causing it. Right. Right. You know. But he wipes the tear, and and the press of course goes, well, he's doing everything he can. Right. And this is not a function. We're not saying that he's lazy. On the contrary, we we are saying that we're going back to the George Costanza thing. OK, George Costanza and, and many people like him, 
they actually like to do certain things. I mean, there was a there was a joke that I saw that was running around the internet where uh, the your your level of energy starts peaking on Friday afternoon and starts waning on Monday morning. You know, for some crazy reason we we don't know why. And, uh, and and there's truth to that. The reason why, and they have all this energy to go out to the restaurants and to drink it up and to pal around and carouse with their friends, but when they're at the office, they're very slu- you know sluggish and they're not interested and such like that. They they have suddenly a they have some sort of energy problem, and and that's the way it is with our president. He loves the things that he loves, and he just has no energy for the things he that he doesn't love. So you'll see him playing basketball. You'll, you'll, you'll see him playing even more significantly. You'll see him playing golf. He goes to Hawaii. He goes to the to vacations all the time. And he'll show up when he just absolutely has to show up in order to, to justify the business expense. You know, most, most other people are trying to justify a, a trip, you know, business trip here and there. They'll, they'll check out a property, and then they'll write off the whole trip, right? And he does, he does even more... Um, more um, Egregiously, you know, he'll go to Africa and and have this wild world, world a tour and and safari trips and everything else. And he'll go visit one leader and say, "Ah, well, I'm I'm here on official government business." <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> After spending a hundred million dollars, I mean, it, 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 this is a gravy train uh, operation for him. He loves it. It's it's um, it, it it totally pays all of his expenses. What a great gig he's got going. He should have just become a travel and food blogger. <laughs> yes, I, I think that's a good one. But but when it comes to the Iraq War, uh, when it comes to Afghanistan, um, he'll do the bare minimum necessary. I, I've never seen anything like it. Every single president comes in and and understands that they got to do many things, uh, and and that and that's why the presidency is a tough job. But for Obama, the the presidency is a tough job, not because he he has to make tough decisions. No, it's because he has to confront a media that sometimes questions him. That's it. It's they're they're so irritatingly nagging, of uh, you know asking him questions as to why he hasn't done X, Y, or Z. Um, so so let's see the areas where he does focus his attention. Okay, whenever there's a uh, a black victim of a white cop, or of any of anybody, all right, he'll be there. You know, he's like the three amigos. Whenever you, you, you see injustice, we will be there, right? You know, that's who he is. He'll go straight to, uh, to this or that town in America. Or if, uh, you know, it turns out that a caterpillar was uh, crushed by some sort of car, and, you know, he'll run over there and claim that it's an environmental catastrophe. That, that's who he is. Um, he'll focus on energy prices, the minimum wage, and, and even then he doesn't dedicate himself very well. But wow, war? Huh, that's the last thing he's interested in, even though this is his number one job. Unless it's the helping the bad guys win. You know, he was in Vietnam today. Yes, yeah, so apologizing point. to the communists. That was America, he actually apologizing? I, I know that he was lifting the tra- the, the uh, arms embargo. Oh. Was he actually, you know, say, was he saying the, the same thing that he did, said to uh, the Muslim world? You know, we've been uh, arrogant and so on. Yeah, kind of, but it, this this was rich. This is the cream again. Uh, he goes there and says, we have too much money in our politics. Women don't get paid the same as a man in our country. Uh, our law enforcement has racism inherently in it. 
and we have the disproportionate application of justice based on the color of one's skin. Um, you know, on and on and on. And he's saying this to the leaders of a country where the people have no freedom whatsoever. Yeah. As if there's any analog at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, and it only gives them uh, fodder for uh, hating us all the more. And, right, and, and, and propaganda and to keeping their people in check by of course, saying, oh, of course. you want to run off to America? Well, their women aren't free. <laughs> well, yeah, that too, but they're more interested in the PR game, the propaganda game, I should say, where they, they profess that America is this evil country because, uh, look, they themselves admit how horrible they are. Yeah, they we sent don't, their president yeah, here to admit it. Yeah, we, we don't have that issue. Because they simply say that they don't have the issue. Of course, they do have the issue, and they have the issue far worse than they have it here. But it, you know, it only gives them the fodder that they need. Yeah, they don't have pay discrim disparities being men and women no, because no, it's a communist country. No one gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So th that's consistent, his love of Cuba. Now it's his love of Vietnam. And he thinks he's really opening up things. You know, it, it's so easy to just say you're changing things by, dis by destroying all the distinctions, right? Uh, you know, hey, gay marriage is the, uh, it seems people are interested in that. Let's go for that. So you just go along with it. Uh, this transgender business, now he's issued an executive order. Let's go with that. Uh, everything that, that would tear apart a, uh, a distinction in foundation is going to tear apart, uh, will tear apart the nation. That's what he's for. Look, it's so easy to go to Cuba and, and open up relations. You think that Castro the Castro brothers, would be uh, against that. It's so easy to go to Vietnam and say, let's, let's be friends. You think the Vietnamese would be against that? You know, you think the Vietnamese are going to be against you lifting the arms embargo? Of course not. Yeah, go to North Korea. Uh, North Korea, you think? Just take our troops away and tell the North Koreans, come on south. Yeah, well, okay, more, more easily, because he wouldn't do that, of course. But if he said on the equivalent level, listen, you're a sovereign nation. You have the right to do whatever nuclear testing that you wish. And how can we help you open up borders? And we're going to give you money now, just like, like Iran, right? Uh, it's so easy. And then going back to Iran, everything is so easy. He, he just, where he thinks that he can effectuate change, it doesn't matter if it's bad or good, he'll be there, okay? Uh, Mr. Change, okay? That's what he, you know, that's, that's, that's who he, he, he should be a superhero in his own mind, at least. It won't be Superman. It'll be just Mr. Change. Whatever it is, I'm going to change it. Well, he and really he, is. He really is. He takes our dollars and he tells us, keep the change. <laughs> uh, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, no, because no human being has spent more. I do not think uh, you are going where I was going to go, <laughs> monsieur. Right. But he but, changes all these things go with just it. for the sake of change. Yeah, he does. And, and the change is bad. He's, yeah. never, he's never changing Iran for the good. Yeah. Or Russia for the good, or Cuba for the good. Right. He's like the opposite of the, uh, the dig that, that there is often against women, generally speaking, right? They, you know, sometimes you hear this joke is that, you know, you, you find a man and go change him, right? Yeah. And, but, but as I said on my Sunday show, you never find a, a, a woman who's seeking to change a man for the worse, right? And we talked about this last podcast, I think. You never say, I'd like, honey, I'd like you to be more of a louse. I'd like you to carouse around more with the other women. I'd like you to be more of a drunk. Get some more tattoos and so on. You're spending on. too much time at home. <laughs> That's right. Go out with your friends. Stop being such a good father. You know. <laughs> Beat me more often. That's right. And your your, your job is too. Uh, it's too professional. It's too. 
<laughs> it's too enriching. So it, it doesn't happen like that, right? But but that's what women do to, to men. We, they change us for the better. It, you know, yes, the, the dig again, like I said, is that they're they're constantly trying to change us. But the reality is they are they are in their defense trying to change us for the better. But Obama, you know, it's it's like he his first mission is all that matters is are am I changing something? Yes. And no further questions need to be asked. Okay, changing, boom, the easiest path. If it's if it's a hard path, he doesn't want it. And the hard path always, always, is the conservative path. The liberal path is always easier. Why do I say that? Because the liberal path is always a path of chaos. There is no building in the world of liberalism. Only in conservatism. Only is about building, maintaining structure, and preserving and maintaining that structure. It's the equivalent of, uh, of a building, and you've got to maintain the building, right? You, not, not just the landscaping, but also the plumbing and making sure there's no more leaks, and, and, the, and the toilets need to be arranged and, and making sure that the walls don't decay, and if there's termites, well, by golly, you've got to tent the building, and so on. But, but the reverse is, is actually true in, in liberalism. Liberalism says... You know, why do we need this effort? We, you know, the building is nice. It doesn't need any attention. Or better yet, it just needs to be destroyed altogether because it's in, it, it, somehow it offends our visual, you know, sight. That, that's what it is. And, and he plays right into that. And I think he believes that. You know, a long time ago, I think maybe a year and a half ago, Ari, you and I had a, a very good podcast where I finally kind of saw the light that, that it is hard to interpret Obama's moves as anything other than seeking destruction, that he, he desires the decline of America one way or the other. Maybe for the purpose of because he believes that somehow a too powerful America is not good for America. I get that. But whatever way you want to interpret it, he wants America to decline. There's no way that somebody could be doing the things he's doing and at the same time says, say that he wants America to prosper and to be more of a force for good throughout the world. That you, you just can't, you can't square that circle. But here we are with him. That's, that's exactly what he's doing. And he always finds the easy answers. Partly because he feels that he's making change for the sake of change. Uh, but that's negative change. It, it's never good change. And as I say to my leftist friends, and I have many of them, so do you, Ari, not all change is good. In fact, most of the time, change is bad. The only time, the only kind of change I really like is innovation. The, you know, I, I love HDTV, great innovation, right? I love uh, the iPod and the iPhone and then the iPad. I loved all those innovations. They're wonderful. I love... Um, Better speed on my internet. I, you know, I love my. I know one. Shock absorbers on dirt bikes. Yes, yes. Especially that, that one under the seat. Yes. Ooh, baby. Boy, you are so not. You are such a novice in this. It's called dual suspension, my friend. It's a shock absorber. That's the little one under the seat. That is so cute that you say that. No. I never knew they had those until I saw one. And so. A mountain bike, a dual suspension mountain bike, allows you to do really cool mountain bike. Uh, Rides and you can take in a lot more trails that you would not be able to do with that little doohickey that you talked about. Anyway, it's it's uh, those are great innovations. I love that in mountain biking. Thank you for the example. 
Uh, I love the fact that um, genetically mod modified uh, foods uh, allow the world to, to be fed. How about that? That's an innovation. There, there are great and innovations within the irrigation world that allow more water, which in turn allow more farmland. I can go on. Um, I love the innovation of electricity. All this, these things were changes that were, by and large, very good. Now, you can go on. To, I think the only exception that I, that I now face is, and, and maybe you face as well, this, uh, this quest for games on the iPhone and iPads. It's, just, it's not good for the children, and it makes them into zombies. But that's another story altogether. Well, yeah, and the, the problem with that really quick is there are all these great games out there, whether it's Xbox or Sony PlayStation, or especially the great games on the uh, personal computers, on the PC. Yeah. Yeah. That kids are not playing because they're playing the stupid games on the little mobile device. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's, that's not true. good. But yeah, eh. put, put that aside. I mean, there's right. not all innovation is good either. I, I never said that. But I do, I do look forward to innovation. I like to see what's out there with the new ideas. It's it's cool, and and by and large, there are great advancements in in innovation. I mean, for example, the um, the fact that Kindle now has uh, you can download books, right? So it's cheaper. You can find a lot more access to, to books all over the world. Uh, you can download it quickly, and you can read it quickly. And then you can take 100 books with you on your, on your travel instead of, uh, you know, one book or two because it's too heavy. And, of course, you save trees in the meantime. This is all good stuff. But innovation in the, in the, in the business world, that's the kind of change we like. We, don't, we, are, we are suspicious of innovation in the social context. We are suspicious of efforts to change the economy itself. Uh, they, by and large, they, they all fail. And it's, as I think about it now, I can't think of anything, anything in the world of social change that, uh, you know, that, that truly has advanced something wonderful. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about, the, you know, uh, the, the fact that blacks and whites are now Desegregated. Of course, that's a good thing, uh, but those are, those are laws that that simply reflected what should have been in the first place, right? Slavery was a form of, of theft. Uh, racial discrimination is a form of a, of an insult to God. It's not a social change like I'm talking about about yeah, talking like I'm not talking about like like gay marriage or transgender bathrooms and stuff. Th that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Right, and you're I think to, to or forcing women to to have uh, an equal pay. Because you perceive incorrectly that women are, are making less than a men. They're not. But, but this, this, this desire to force the, the world to, to look the way that you on the left want it to look, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's so rarely successful, and I, and I just don't know of any example where it was successful. Right. And to put the fi final point out where you started, the idea of chaos, the reason it's a harder position uh, to take the conservative positions because you have to say no. And no matter whether you're saying no to children or an adult, people don't like to be told no. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, so when a certain grievance group, say, wants to uh, alter the definition of marriage, it takes courage and determination and, and being um, uh, resolute to say, no, we're not changing that just for you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, because you know they're going to have a temper tantrum over it. Yeah. And by saying yes to them, it results in exactly what you're saying, chaos. Yeah. 
Yeah. Florists being sued. Bakers being sued. No one knows what marriage means anymore. People are devaluing marriage. No well, not only that, but it'll, and not only that, but it, it'll creep into religion altogether because uh, eventually rabbis and priests and uh, reverends will be uh, kowtowed to to uh, to perform gay marriages as opposed to, you know, making a, a line in the sand for that. And uh, that's it's it's going to be a very bad situation in the future. Things will change. Again, there's that word change, but it's so easy the change that we're looking at, and 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 we're going to hearken to this in the future in the next part of this episode, which is about pride, and th- this notion that people are so proud that they've effectuated some sort of change when it's nothing. They've done nothing, and in fact, if anything, they've they've created more chaos into into the world. How could you be proud, right? I mean, it's like Cher, where she was talking about her, uh, her her daughter who wanted to become a man, right? And I don't call them cha- Chaz. 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 Chastity yeah. became Chaz. Yeah, Chastity became Chaz. And and Cher's response, and, and look, she was trying to be a, a loving mother. I appreciate that. But she said, you know, I'm so proud of, of my son, Chaz. Like, but why? Why are you proud? What What's to be proud about? You know, I, I suppose you can say, well... That he or she had the courage to, to uh, reveal himself to be a he it was so so what? But that's not pride. That's not pride. You're not doing anything there. You're just. It's like uh, showing off your alcoholism. You know, I'm I'm an alcoholic. You know, I I you know I'm proud. <laughs> I I was able to swallow three beer bongs full of beer in a row, and each beer bong had three bottles of beer. Yeah. So I drank nine bottles of beer in about. Four That's, minutes. It's not pride. I have pride. Yeah, it's 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 such a misapplication of the word pride. But but going back to what we're talking about, it's it's they break down these these social structures and then they're proud of it, right? They're proud. They think that they're achieving something great for society, not realizing in fact that they're they're, they're not increasing uh, openness. They're actually destroying openness. They're destroying the freedoms that they claim to love. They'll never have it, never. And, and we're in a world that's it's racing toward chaos, racing. And I say that not as a pessimist or an optimist. I'm simply describing it. There's no way you can, you can see the, the next wave of social change and not see it coming. It's going to be incest. It's going to be a polygamy. And it may even be child pornography. And not pornography. I'm just uh, pedophilia, period. Pedophilia. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's all sorts of reasons why it's obvious. We, are, we have made predictions of the past, and they are coming true much faster than we ever expected. Uh, this transgender thing is even more uh, of a case. And the, and the fact that this president is embracing it uh, so, so happily because he wants to be the presidency of, of change, to be able to say, look at how much I've, I've altered our civilization, as if it's for the good. Uh, if only, if only people, if, if only were so easy to, that, that somehow by merely destroying all the institutions of Western civilization, that that somehow made Western civilization better. I, I don't get that. It presumes that all these distinctions uh, in Western civilization were bad, right? That's, and now we're destroying those bad things. And never, never thinking for a moment then maybe there was a reason for these distinctions. Maybe there was a reason why we separate men and women in bathrooms. Maybe there's a reason why we elevate marriage. Maybe, maybe there is something about marriage that ele- elevates civilization itself. 
Maybe there's a reason why we don't have incest within a family, and so on, and so on. And sex with children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. You think? Maybe. But these questions, these are questions that the Obama administration and so many on the far left never ask themselves. The question of why is it so? And if they did ask why is it so, there would be a very different dynamic altogether. I dare say that many more of us would be conservative from the very get-go. We'll be right back. Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what would you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about. I made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. that uh, Ari actually brought up a a while ago that I thought would be worth exploring, and that's the notion of pride and how pride, our love of pride, uh, has eviscerated over the the ages, over the past 20 years in particular. Now, what what do we mean by this? We we talked before, Ari, about the evisceration of of distinctions, right? That distinction of man and woman, of... uh, of the, the way people dress these days, the, form, the formal versus the informal. We talk about words and uh, profa- uh, profanity. Um, instead of using you know, polite words, we talk about manners, the way that people eat, the way they, I mean, the way they communicate with each other, um, the, the, the difference between adults and children, the difference between teacher and student, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah, the evisceration of shame, the way people yeah, are not right. allowed to feel shame I, I anymore. I love that. Get exa- shame and honor, that's one of the, the big distinctions in my book. There's a whole chapter about this, and I'm, I'm up to now like 30, 30 distinctions, and it's growing. I mean, every time I, I think about it, there's another distinction. Yeah, and here's the next. And thanks to you, <laughs> here's the next. You right. just need to let me... Uh, <laughs> don't you worry, Ari. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it. Uh, but the, the next one, it, you know, you, you just stumble upon these things, and Ari was talking about pride and how this notion of pride is really uh, uh, demonized is maybe not the right word, but it's a poo-pooed, shall we say, that pride is something that, uh, that we, we forget why we even have pride. Now, I'm not even talking about pride in the, in the biblical sense, like that's one of the seven deadliest sins. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, um, happiness in your accomplishments. How about that? Right? You work really hard to, to get that uh, promotion to a partner, let's say, um, or in the military from one rank to the next. 
you work really hard uh, to be uh, the fastest runner in your school, to, to beat your time from last year or whatever it might be. And you're proud of that. And as a parent, you may be proud of it. And you're, you're, you're happy about your accomplishment, not pride in the, in the, in the, in the sinful sort of sense. I, I really mean it like, let's strive. Let's do the best we can and, and still be humble about it, of course, but move forward and be, and be proud of your work. Pride, as, as you and I have discussed it, Ari, and I think Ari said it very well, it's about earning it. It, it, by definition, it means that you've accomplished something that you've earned. You've worked to, to this point, and boom, you've achieved that first place finish. You've achieved that promotion. You, uh, you worked hard, and, and uh, you, you finally met that girl, and you, you, you worked hard to, to, to impress her, and now she wants to be with you. Wonderful, okay? These are all uh, examples, some silly, some, some not so silly, but all about accomplishments one way or the other. And yet we live in this world today where such accomplishments are poo-pooed. Just to use the example of, uh, of athletic tournaments and such like that, you have uh, you know, the notion that, that you know, ending up at first, second, or third place, well, that's not such a big deal. It, all that matters is that you participated. Here's your uh, I participated award. Okay, and uh, and of course, if you if your team is winning by too much, well, let's erase the score and we'll forget about it altogether. You you, you rob the the people of their very sense of why they, they are doing what they are doing. We have basketball teams that for my my kids, and you know they they want to get a lot of score, right? They want a lot of baskets. And then they the, want to run up the scores. Right? They run up the score, right? Right. They want the highest number of scores. They want to beat the other team. They want to do better than the other team. That's the nature of basketball. But they 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 just turn off the score immediately after the game, as if to say, you know, there's no winners and losers here. It was just kind of participating, and you know, it's a pickup game sort of thing. And let's we might as well just you know kind of dribble the ball around the court. There there was no sense of achievement whatsoever. And there was no award at the end. It was just kind of the season was done. And, uh, you know, when you look back on it, well, we just kind of ran up and down the court a lot. And some of us threw the ball into the net and some of us uh, missed the net. That's it. That's the entire story of basketball. And so the boys, you know, they, they, they wonder, I think, you know, reasonably so, what was the purpose of all that? What was I striving for? There was no recognition. And more importantly, there was no hope for recognition. Yes, they would prefer to be the one who's recognized, but they, they, the next best thing is to have the chance to be recognized. And they were not told that they would, there would be an award ceremony of any kind. They would not talk about who the school, uh, the best school was, or who the most valuable player was on any particular team. None of those things were in play. And, and so you wonder, well, what was the point? Why, why, why would they strive for anything? What's to be proud of? Is there any hope to be proud of anything? I mean, even if you, if you don't make most valuable player, but you were in strong consideration for most valuable player, that's something to, to aspire for for the next year, right? These things are so obvious, and yet at the same time, uh, we, we are robbing pride from, from those who deserve it, those who work really hard. And, and this is not just in the you know, little league uh, baseball or basketball teams. It's also true in the adult world. You make a lot of money. You've created your own business. And you make a lot of money all of a sudden because of it, because of your great idea. 
well, let's, let's knock you down. Let's bring the money that you've earned back to those who didn't earn it at all, and we'll make it all equal. Okay, there's, there's no reward. <clears throat> it's the equivalent of not having the most valuable player ceremony at the end that I just talked about. I want the reward. Please give it to me. Okay, I worked hard for this. As you said, Ari, Ari, Ari uh, I earned it. Okay, show me the love. And we all need that recognition. That's, that's part of what makes life kind of move forward. I mean, for me, I, I don't need recognition the same way um, I, I have a very strong sense of God, and I feel that the only, only entity, only thing I need to impress is God, right? I, I, that's it. So I don't need the accolades, and we talked about this before, that who, who needs trophies more? Who needs, who needs recognition more? Who, who's more impressed with titles? And we said the godless were more impressed. But all the same, when we're talking about kids and when we're talking about uh, just day-to-day lives. I don't need fame. I don't need to be a, a famous person on a cover of a, a magazine. But I'll tell you what I do need is don't take away all the money that I earned or so much of it. And don't make me feel bad for having earned it because I took all the risk. I, I stayed up late at night and I made things happen. Don't do that. Pride is what we're talking about. And when you erase the opportunity for recognition, you erase pride, and, and you, you literally take it away. Think of it like uh, in, in the context of all the things we've been talking about, Ari, the transgender business, and I, I'm happy for you to explore this too, but the distinction between um, the men and women, right? I mean, the bathroom is a classic evisceration of the distinction between men and women, and here we are. But isn't this the same thing? When you take away uh, the distinction between those who have succeeded and those who have not, then, then you're basically robbing them of pride. Is that the phrase you used, Ari? That's part of it. Um, that's, that's sort of the other side of it. And I, I think uh, one of the points that needs to be made is pride is something you give yourself when you accomplish. Even if, even if you do something, let's just say you're an artist and you paint what is unquestionably a masterpiece. It doesn't matter if it hangs in a gallery or a museum or you sell it. The fact is when you see it finished and you have taken this vision that's been in your mind and created it on canvas, you're allowed to feel pride of accomplishment that you did it. That's, that's the one side of the equation. The other side of the equation, what I'm talking about is not only are people getting their pride stolen from them, um, for, uh, in other words, being deprived of pr- pride that they've earned by accomplishing. The other part of stealing is people who feel pride and take pride in things that they haven't earned. Right. I'm gay, so I'm proud. Oh. I'm black, so I'm proud. Right. I'm loud, and I'm proud. <laughs> I had sex and got a condom bought for me, so I'm proud. Uh, the famous shirt, this is an awful one, but I'm proud I had an abortion. Uh, R- right? Yeah. It's, it's... Uh, what are? Why are these people allowed to feel? What? Wh- what character flaw? Right. Do they have that's installed in service somewhere in their yeah, psyche yeah. that allows them to feel pride over earning nothing? Yeah, it's diluting the word pride, right? I mean, right. I, I, we talked a lot before about diluting the word rape, for example. Every every unwanted touching is now a rape, or for that matter, even a, a, the the pro, You know, you you have. 
meaningful sex and you enjoy it, consensual sex, and then the next day she regrets it, usually the she, she regrets it and she feels uh, now that, that, that it was a rape. Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> it just dilutes the word rape. But pointing to the, to the pride point, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, gay pride, and I think that, that was one of the examples you gave uh, when we talked offline. I, I think that's a great example. When you think of a parade, uh, you know, modern-day parade, you often think of the gay pride parade, right? I know that there are many gay pride parades in San Francisco and Los Angeles and even in Tel Aviv in Israel, uh, <laughs> which is a point we bring up only to show that Israel is such a modern country and it has tolerance and it, it, it loves its gays as much as its minorities and its women. And, and you know, why are we uh, chastising Israel when we should be chastising the rest of uh, the Middle East? But that's another story. But gay pride? Pride? What, what, why? Because you're proud... And I'm, again, I'm not mocking gays. It's simply their choice. I understand that. But I'm not proud that I'm a heterosexual, right? I'm not proud that I'm white. I'm not proud that uh, I'm, I'm a lawyer, except to the extent that I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I earned it by passing the bar. But, but these things alone are not, am I proud that I drive a car? <laughs> I, I know how to ride a bike. Am I proud of that? These are things that I am, okay? I, I'm a vegan, Am I am I proud of being a vegan? No, you actually are. No, no, <laughs> no I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not proud of it. It's it's just a decision I've made. It just is. Yeah, it just is. I I, I don't know. I'm a, am I proud that I'm six feet tall? Okay, it, it's so stupid. It, it doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean a thing. Okay, I, and look, uh, even we're both Jewish, right? And we can look back at all the accomplishments that the Jewish. Uh, world has has given has made right in the world, and there are plenty of them. And you can say, well, I'm proud of of my fellow Jews, my heritage, my heritage. Yeah. But but not really. I mean, we we hesitate to say that. You and I would would do that. We would instead say uh, that if we don't meet that same accomplishment standard, then we are not proud, right? Yes, okay. yes. And, and to, to put a further point on it. We are obligated to strive right. to to meet the obligation of right. this proud heritage. Right. We, exactly. <laughs> right. There it is. We have there to it work. is. Yeah. Okay. Well, these guys have done it. It's kind of like uh, you know, two racers in a in a marathon or, or or sprint for that matter. You know, you try to beat the other guy because you know he's set the standard now. Oh my gosh. You know, a ten second sprint. Well, then I better beat that. I didn't think we could do it, but now we better do it. Okay. Now let's try to make it nine point nine. That's the way it works. And if I, if I didn't do anything with my life, I don't I think I, I should be I shouldn't rest on my own past laurels. We all agree about that, right? But I certainly shouldn't rest on the laurels of other people's accomplishments. Right? I'm very proud of uh, Einstein, for example. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of uh, Zuckerberg and all his accomplishments, but I didn't do them. Right, right, and you, and you just said it. I'm proud of them. Yeah, you don't have pride at what Zuckerberg or Einstein accomplished yeah. or Albert Schweitzer. Yeah, you, you or whoever, you're proud of them. Right, you're giving them pride. Right. It's yeah, a it's, giving, yeah. not a taking. And, and it's, it's not. A, it's not as if, by the way, you walk in the street and people <laughs> see you and they say, "Oh, there's Brock Lurie." You know, he's the same religion as Mark Zuckerberg, the famous founder. Of Facebook, right? right? <laughs> you know, they don't do that. <laughs> it's like, it's right. like no, they, they, it's it's that. There's Barack Lurie. You know, he's a well-known talk show host, or he's an effective lawyer, or whatever it might be. Or you know what I would prefer? That he's a good dad. 
That's my that's my personal preference, but that's another yeah. story. Good dad, good person. Yeah, that, that's yeah. all I really want to be. I don't seek out fame. Okay, so it, it's not about that whatsoever. And on the contrary, we want to live up to the standards that my fellow people have have uh, raised us all to. I, I like that. I like the challenge in that department. I want to be one of those guys where people say, look at all the accomplishments of the Jews, Zuckerberg, uh, Einstein, Lurie, right? <laughs> That's what I, I would like. Right. All right. But, you know, maybe that'll happen one day. Maybe that won't. I, but, I, again, I don't seek fame anyway. So I, I, all I care about is what God thinks. But I want to elaborate on your, your previous yes. point about the pride, the gay pride thing the, and the, the Black Caucus thing and everything else. You know, look look how destructive it is and how meaningless it is when you, you're only proud of the fact that you belong to a certain group. Okay, it, it doesn't, to, to have a gay pride parade doesn't achieve anything for you if, if you are gay. If, if, you're, in a, in, if you're a gay person, uh, don't think for a moment that the gay pride parade somehow elevates your standard in the community. It doesn't, and no one makes, or, you know, no one looks up to the gay pride parade and say, wow. Those people, uh, they sure are. They're really something because 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 uh, you know right. they've chosen to uh, to exercise their right to uh, to have sex with the same sex. You know, good for them, and I'm proud of them. Why? Why? What's 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 to be proud of? It doesn't make. It, I'm not saying you should be ashamed of it. Again, I'm really not saying that. People will turn this around. I'm not saying you should be ashamed of it, but there's nothing to be proud of. Yeah, okay? you're, you're, you're meaning. Yeah, you're, right. you're diluting the meaning of pride. Yeah, and, and it's not like, um, uh, what's your intention? So little children who watch this go by can grow up and think, when I grow up, I'm going to strive to march with them someday. And, and, who knows what they're right, thinking. I but, there's, but there's a, also a quick point that's it's very interesting about this. If you look at the classic parades of our culture, the Rose Parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, there's a certain order of them. To march as a marching band, and I think this is an important point, in the Rose Parade or as an equestrian, as one of the people involved in making the floats, whatever, you have to do work that's earned, and you've earned pride as part of it. The Gay Pride Parade doesn't even have choreographed marching. The order that's required of most parades doesn't even exist. As a parade, it's even a failure of of not... Yeah, I I think you're getting into the weeds a little too much. The the point that we're both making, I think, is that it's a misnomer to call it gay pride. If you want to say gay awareness, if you want to say... um, Gay liberation, gay gay rights, Yeah, whatever. whatever, That's fine. I, I get that. Uh, but merely to say you're proud to be gay, it, it, I, I just don't understand it, and I don't think you should understand it. And again, going back to the Jewish identity thing, if if I if I'm uh, if I'm a Jew and I'm an alcoholic and I'm in jail um, and I haven't done anything with my life, and and believe me, you know there are some Jews who are like that, right? I don't get to be proud to be Jewish. On, on the contrary, I would say, well, I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed that I have not lived up to the standard. Okay, right. it's a little bit like. In fact, it's a, it's a lot like, um, you know, 90% of the student body, um, we're really proud because 90% of our students graduate from high school, where the national average is, you know, 40%, okay? And we're talking about a public school, because generally speaking, private schools, almost everyone graduates. But 90%, and we're striving for even higher percentage next year. And so we're proud. And, and what are we doing right compared to all the other schools? And everyone looks to, you know, Lincoln High School for its uh, great accomplishment in, in graduating 90% of its uh, student body. 
Great. What about the 10% who didn't, <laughs> didn't uh, graduate? Do they go home and say, oh, I'm really proud of my high school, <laughs> right? They graduated 90% of, the, of my school. Sure, I wasn't among them, but I'm proud <laughs> of the school. No, you're, you're embarrassed for your own failures. The point is the school can be proud as a whole. The principal can be proud of his own accomplishment. But you, as a student, merely being part of that, that doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, it but, doesn't mean a thing. Yeah. And, and pride uh, is, is so such the misnomer, and that's your point. Yes. And it's, it's, it's yes. being taken away. Absolutely. And, and your example is so brilliant in, in a way that uh, I think that we might have sort of glossed over here. Let's just take the, the uh, stipulated example. 90% of the students graduate. It's not the students who should feel any pride. You're supposed to graduate. Right. That even valedictorian, you just cleared the bar. Right. There's no, you didn't you didn't um, uh, do an extra credit assignment where you perform CPR and save children from drowning or something. It's the teachers and the principal and the administrators and the people who made the school a 90 percentile school in, in a difficult public school district to accomplish that who feel the pride. The teachers did good work, not the students. Yeah. Uh, understand? Yeah, you're absolutely so, right. The students don't get to feel it's that whole thing about stealing pride or, or feeling unearned pride. They didn't earn anything. They did what they were supposed to do. Right. It's like it's like going home and uh, I'll rip off a little Chris Rock uh, from his comedy act. Uh, it's like saying, I'm proud. I paid the electric bill. No, you're supposed to. <laughs> I'm proud. I paid the rent. No, you're supposed to. Yeah, these are low standards <laughs> that uh, you, you apply to people that uh, have severe problems in their lives. Right, you know, and just, it gets <clears> right <throat> to your point right. about distinctions. We've so erased distinctions, as we've so erased shame, that people now feel pride for paying the rent, holding down a job, paying the electric bill. There is no right. <laughs> higher level. Right, right, right. It's a little bit like, uh, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the, um, there's a, um, we're looking into dogs, for example, and one of the applications, they, they say, you know, explain to us why you want to rescue a dog. And they give it little, little themes. And they say, well, tell us about your philosophy of why you want to rescue a dog. And in fact, maybe you ought to think, who is really rescuing who, right? Which is, it's actually, I actually like that. Okay. In a sense, they are rescuing ourselves. You know, they're, they're improving our humanity. Why do I bring this up? Because sometimes it's the exact inverse of the way we look at things. The gay pride parade, who really should be proud? Them or America? America. Right. America. are not beating them anymore. Well, okay. You don't <laughs> well, have to go to that lowest standard. But the fact that, that, that they... I'm proud of America for the fact that we can have an, a, a gay pride parade, as, as much of a misnomer as it is, that, that we accept and, and celebrate uh, and call it awareness if you like. But the fact that we, that we do this is what we do. And uh, we, that, that's good on us. That's something that we should be proud of. As we're watching the, the gay pride uh, float pass by, we should all be, you know, you and I in the stands watching this by. We should be shaking our hands, not because we're, we're necessarily because we, we support gay one thing or the other. I mean, it's fine. I, we don't care. But the fact that look what a great country we are and how tolerant we are and how we embrace all sorts of different views. And is, aren't we awesome? <laughs> that's yes. what I'm proud of. Yes, you know, that's so, exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And, and the gay pride parade 
it doesn't celebrate. In other words, who is rescuing who? Yeah. Yeah, and the gay pride parade, the black pride parade, the Latino pride parade, whatever it is, is never they they are never celebrating America for for having a, a culture that's so pluralistic that there's room for people who are different from the norm for having a place. Right. Where in the world there it never existed before. Right. Now you want to see the inverse yet again. Yes. If you dare to show pride in America, if you bring a, a, a t-shirt or a or, or carry a small flag, an American flag, you'll be told to take that crap home. Yes. Okay? That, there's How no dare you show yeah. school? <laughs> we, that kind of that's crap up with which we shall not put. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it, it's really bizarre. <laughs> or, right? or say you want to say you have pride yeah. in your relationship with God yeah. because you're observant and you do your best to listen to God and be on God's side. And so you say to your school, may I say a small prayer, an invocation, something. No, no, no not in this campus. <laughs> you can't. Right. You're not even allowed to do it just uh, to yourself. If you're yes. if you're praying to yourself and, and like let's say uh, do a small prayer before a lunchtime meal, right? Usually there's lunchtime at school. Uh, a teacher will sometimes tap you on the shoulder and say, "Cut that crap out." Right? It's it's not even as if you're asking to do a prayer, an invocation for the graduation ceremony, which I think would be lovely, uh, but you know, I, I you know, we've kind of lost that argument. Or, yeah, right? one, so thing let's say, time one thing here. at a time. Right? So, but you can't even pray to your friggin' self. Like, are you talk about the thought police? You know, well, what if you just t- go up to the teacher and say, "Listen, teacher, you won't, you won't uh, see me uh, tent my my uh, hands in in the form of a prayer. You won't see me closing my eyes. Uh, you won't even see my lips moving." Um, in fact, I'll just be walking like the rest of, of the students throughout the, hall, the school hallways and such. But in my mind, I'm going to be praying to Jesus. Okay? I just want you to know that. Right? And I wonder what the teacher will say. Like, They'll well, call Parent Protective Services. That's right. I, or or no, 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 no. He says, you're not allowed to think like that. Right. I don't want you thinking like that. <laughs> Cut that crap out. Yeah, what did your parents do to you to make you think like that? All right. Well, that's, a, that's another story. I mean, we're getting a little yeah. afield here, but... but the pride is is being misplaced, right? Yes. It's it's your whole point. It's being stolen. It uh, pride only belongs in your self identity, um, and pride accomplishing nothing or just being there, so to speak. Whereas the pride where we should be, where where it should be in in the form of what America has done, uh, our relationship with God, what our churches do, what our synagogues do, and what our military has done. Very good, our yeah. military, and then of course our personal accomplishments of you know creating a new invention, uh, making a uh, um, you know getting the new promotion and all those things. Well, that's that's inappropriate to be proud of. It's not that they'll they'll tell you how how dare you not get that promotion, but they won't celebrate it the same way that they celebrate all these other things we've been talking about. Which are just bizarre things to celebrate. Why, why would you celebrate these things? Uh, you know, awareness, sure. Tolerance, sure. But but why? What's the pride about? It's it's like Dennis Prager brought about, and I know you want to bring up another point, uh, but I just want to bring up this last point. Dennis Prager brought up, you know, Cher had a um, a daughter. Uh, I think her name was uh, Chastity. It was Chastity. Yeah. Yes. And, and so she felt like a, a boy, a man, and so she converted to becoming a man. I don't yeah, know Chastity, what Chastity, not Cher. Right, Chastity yes, did. Yeah, daughter. her daughter. And so she wanted to be called Chaz. I don't know whether she had a full-on sexual uh, operation, but that's not the point right now. And Cher said, I'm so proud of my son. You know, of course, embracing her new uh, sexual identity. 
I'm, I'm so proud of Chaz. He is a wonderful young man, that sort of thing. And, and, and Dennis posed the question, and the same kind of thing that we're talking about now was, why, why are you proud? I mean, sure, you, you can embrace him and you can say, okay, well, you know, I, I support my son's decision and, uh, you know, that's the way he was. And, and now I recall all the time he wanted to play with boy things all the time. Okay. And um, I fully support him. And if he wants to marry uh, another man, another, another woman, that's his business too. I just want him to be a successful uh, and healthy young man. God bless him. All right. That, that'd be fine. But to say you're proud, why? why? What's to be proud of? I'm, I, you know, that's like saying I, I, I feel like I want to color my hair blonde because you know I'm a woman and women change their hair color quite a bit. I feel like being blonde today, and I'm going to change my my color hair. And uh, I'm proud of my daughter for changing her hair, <laughs> for her color from from brown to blonde. I mean, what what what's that all about? Canteen. What what what? what? Yes. What is that? <laughs> You know, I don't get it. You know, <laughs> you, you you want to uh, you know you want to wear yoga pants now. Okay, I'm proud of my daughter that she wears yoga pants. What, 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 what is that all about? You 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 want to, you want her daughter you, you want her daughter to show her derriere in all its great glory, big or small, whether it's appropriate or not. I I, I we we've talked about this quite a bit, but what's to be proud of? What? It's just a choice that you've made. You can say you don't care about it. You can say you do care about it. You can say it's embarrassing for you as a parent. I don't know, but there's there's very little pride involved. And, uh, you know, gone are the days, or maybe not so gone, uh, but and I hope they're not gone, but the days where, you know, a parent says, you know, my son is, uh, it was an honor student, and I'm really so proud. And you do see those bumper stickers from time to time. I, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to putting it on. You know, it means nothing. You can be personally proud, but don't tell the world about it. And it's not as if when I see an honor student, you know, bumper sticker, I, I you know, drive by the, the parent and I give him a thumbs up. <laughs> Boy, that's great. <laughs> so, you know, keep it to yourself, so to speak, right? You know, proud. But that's okay. I, you can be proud of that. I, I'm proud of my kids. Why? Not, not because they've done really well in school, and they have done well in school. I'm proud of them because of their relationship with God, that they work hard to, to be with God and to do God's bidding. That, that I'm proud of. Okay? And I'm proud of myself for being what I think, what I hope to be, a good parent. And I'm, I'm always striving. That's, that's the world that I'm, I'm proud of. That's where pride comes in. But it's a sad world um, about how... Um, you know, how we, 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 we don't know what there is to be proud of and what there is not to be proud of. We, we conflate this word pride like we conflate the word uh, freedom, like we conflate the word rape. We conflate the word uh, murder, for that matter. It just, it doesn't, you know, for good or bad, we conflate and we, we distort meanings of words like, like I've never seen before. And it just, and it's all been happening the past 10 20 years. It's, it's something we need to kind of hold back on and say, what are we doing? We're, we're confused about what we're even supposed to be proud of. I'm not even talking about now the, the obvious distinctions that are being conflated, which is man and woman, old and young, uh, teacher and student, all those things that we talk about, good and evil, shame and, and honor. Now we, we, there, there are even elusive subjects that are creeping in, and, and pride is it's such a it's so misused now. And the things that we're supposed to be proud of, well, 
we're no longer to be proud of. And the, the, the things that don't really deserve pride one way or the other have nothing to do with pride. Well, that's what the subject is all about. Gay pride, Black Caucus, you know, NAACP, uh, Anti-Defamation League for that matter. Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone gets a trophy. It, it's just, it's a little bit of a bizarre world. Anyway, uh, as I wrap this up. Yeah. Well, can I ask you one last question, which yeah. I think would take you to the wrap-up? Yeah. It, you talked in the opening about the sin of pride. And one of the things that struck me when I thought of this is perhaps what God means by the sin of pride is when you take unearned pride, live by it, and then hold other people in, in a, a bad light for daring to criticize you. Yeah, or is that would you say that might be where the sin of pride lies in somewhere in that range? I think the sin of pride, from a religious point of view, is to say that when you are proud of something, uh, that you forget that the reason why you've succeeded in anything that you've done is it's all by virtue of God's grace. If you are the fastest runner in the world, it's because God made you the fastest runner. Uh, you may have worked at it. You may have. Um, revealed yourself to be the fastest runner or the best lawyer or the best singer, as the case may be. But to be proud of it, um, unduly proud, let's put it that way. And I say unduly, meaning you don't deserve, you have not given the proper due. That's what, that's what the sin of pride really is. You, you, you know, no religious person, uh, as deeply devout as they may be, would fault anyone for saying, I, I'm proud of being the valedictorian this year. I really worked hard at it, and you know what? Uh, God was good to me, and uh, I just want to do what God's, uh, God wants from me. Boy, you, you've done it all. You, you've shown pride, yes, but also given due uh, credit to where, where it belongs, which is to God. And that's the problem, is because we live in a godless world. So we're, we're just taking credit wherever we can <clears throat> and, not, and not giving the due where, where it really belongs. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk with you next week.